Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Well, let me tell you something that goes on in my head every time we record one of these that I've never right. said out loud. Is that I hit record, right, on the laptop, mm-hmm. and then the mouse sits over the record button. Oh. Which starts to worry me because I think, oh, if I bump it, I'm going to stop the recording. Yeah. And then, so then I want to move it, but then I get nervous that by moving it, I'm going to stop the recording, which I actually have done once. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I'm going to do this live. I'm going to try and move the cursor without right. pausing the recording. Oh, thank God. Well done. All right. Now we can breathe easy and get into the podcast. Maybe. GarageBand's giving us some trouble lately. I don't like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Peek well, behind the curtain. GarageBand uh, is tra- problematic at times, everybody. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. Peek behind the curtain of every podcast. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I don't want to, you know, dick around too much here. Uh, other than the whole cur- cursor thing. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's the only thing you want, obviously. No, I, I had to get it out of the way. Out okay, of my system. fair enough. The other thing I have to have to get out of the way... No. The other thing I want to get out of the way is mentioning TweakedAudio.com. First off, you know what? You know what I want to revel in? What? Not get out of the way. TweakedAudio.com. Yeah. You don't want I, our sponsor hearing you say stuff like that. It, <laughs> yeah. Um... Tremble in my brute in my in my boots because of Bruce, and then I turned it into brutes. Um, so, uh, tweakedaudio.com, as our guest knows, is where you go for uh, professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and styles and colors. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension and no other portal, yeah, no, you get uh, one third off. Those other places are bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and free shipping. Uh, so that's that's what you want to do with that. Now. Uh, Let's bring in our guest to see if he has anything to add about TweakedAudio.com or uh, GarageBand or, or Mac Cursors. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's got an album out right now. It's called The Big Angry on AST Records. Welcome, Mike Schmidt. Hey. Hi. I, who's this Tweaked Audio you're discussing? I've never heard of them, quite <laughs> frankly. Uh, I used to think I was special. I used to think I was the podcast, and now it turns out they've shotgunned all over society. They've covered every podcast in the world, including well, yours. Well, I've you, always assumed that Bruce found out about us because you were on our show. Mm, That's, I don't know about all that. Because it seemed to follow... Yeah. Have you met Bruce? He's, N- never he's emailed affi- with him. Though. Yeah, never oh, officially. I met like, him officially. I met him at last year's Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Oh, he approached right. me at the, at the meet and greet. Oh, I and was we there. met and we grit. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> By I the way, there, I, I, I there's not a band right now called Hovering Cursors making an album called Garage Band Problems. I was very disappointed. <laughs> they, they should have kicked it in and get right away the second you guys started jabbering. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, the one of the main reasons that we have uh, a relationship with Tweaked Audio is because. Uh, when we were first approached by Bruce, I called you at, I think, 5 a.m. Yes. Back when we both used to stay up that late and uh, said, hey, is this a good investment? And you said, oh, it's been the best relationship ever. And, they were the uh, best. They still you are. You were absolutely yeah, right. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're very nice to me and they support the show and they, they actually like the show. That's the thing. It's, I, I have a thing about sponsors and weirdness, um, you know, because, uh, uh, well, I don't want to say that. other people have approached, but they're the guys who approach everybody. And uh, you right. when you hear a podcast, you hear them on everyone. Yep. Um, and yep. it just seemed like I was next in line. And I, that was always kind of frustrating. So when Tweaked approached me, they actually wrote me personally. And reached out and said they listen, they listen to the show, they like it, and they wanted to do this thing. And I said, yeah. great, absolutely. And they've been nothing but kind to me since. Yeah, after we first uh, after we first got them, I got an email from from Bruce saying, hey, I really like you know how you guys are talking about that. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing? Like, Do you have a company to run? <laughs> I assumed that the whole reason you approached us is because you hadn't heard us. Yeah. <laughs> but... Wait, you sell earbuds and you actually use them? That seems ridiculous. <laughs> oh, he doesn't use those. Oh. He uses, he uses uh, you know, 
what do you call it? Oh, shoot. Now I don't remember. What's Beats the... by Dre. <laughs> That's what he's listening to. I, I don't know if we mentioned any other headphones. How weird are you? You just scolded him for getting tweaked out of the way. And you're like, oh, he doesn't use the tweaked headphones. Really? <laughs> well, I was being sarcastic. I was going to use... No, you weren't. But... Well, well, not, look, none of us use them, strictly speaking. You know, I use the the uh, headphone, the the earbuds that I got uh, on my Air Berlin flight back from Switzerland. That's what I use now. Yeah. You know what I use? What's that? TweakedAudio.com yeah. earbuds. That's I use them I all use. the time. It I works. use them on a record my oh, show. I use I, them on planes. I got the wood paneling, the wood grain one. It looks like the Flintstone yep. station wagon. It goes right into my head. <laughs> excited oh man i guess i'm the only one that has no faith in this i'm joking of course everybody (laughs) you're wearing them right now (laughs) um so mike it's been a while since you've been on the show uh how what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) seriously i don't understand that but that's fine you guys are all successful and i love if we're gonna go behind the curtain here we're gonna talk about cursors and bullshit um I'm drinking a Grape Propel Zero. Our friend Tyler Smith is drinking a Grape Propel Zero. David has what can only be described as a Miller High Life tall boy. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And yeah. it may break the table. It is so heavy. He's, he, he goes, all right, ready for this show? And he pops the top. I'm like, I guess you are, boozy. What the fuck? So if it gets a little crazy later, please know it's because David is fucking three fingers into a tall boy and we can't control him. That's insane. It's actually become kind of a... It's been for the past couple months... This is what I do when we record That's on Thursday nights. That's it's called quite, a problem. It's quite alarming to <laughs> exactly. somebody just sitting and watching. Bruce right now is taking notes. Alcoholic must end sponsorship. Because <laughs> they don't want you to fucking drive your car into a fire hydrant wearing the tweaked ear, earbuds on the way home from a show. So I tell you one good thing. I, you like earbuds? I got earbuds for you. Call, you call, Bruce gets a phone call. And, Could you bail me out of jail? I, I need some help. Some tweakedaudio.com help. <laughs> <laughs> tweakedaudio.com slash bail and the best part is after this show Bruce is going to go David he's going to know exactly who it is <laughs> so uh, how, how have you been that was the worst stopping fake laughing ever um, <laughs> well, I'm good everyone had to take a, a drink of their <laughs> propels or highlights yeah. <laughs> I'm okay yes I'm alright show's good I got the album out CD album CD whatever you want to call it um, well, we were talking uh, uh, before about the, about the album and about the fact that it is just it's it's two tracks. Yes. Now, what what is the total runtime of the album? An hour and twenty eight minutes. Okay. We actually so I was cut, say we had to cut it down because I, when I was doing live shows, I'm still doing live shows. I'd like to talk about that a little later. I'll plug them or whatever if we can. But uh, you know, I, I the shows were three hours long. You know, I mean, and in certain cities it went really crazy. I mean, in, in St. Louis it was like three hours and forty minutes, and Atlanta it was three and a half, three thirty five, whatever. Um, because that was the show, and people were nice enough to let me be indulgent and talk mm-hmm. and do whatever. Uh, but then for the CD, uh, you know, when Matt approached me, I, I told him how long the show was. He's like, well, he goes, we can put out a double album if you want. But my friend Max, who does all my artwork and my music and stuff like that for the podcast, is like, dude, this is a calling card for you. This is a way to reach out to people who don't let you indulge in doing all your mm-hmm. nonsense. And and I understood. And so we, I put together a series of shows where I tried to truncate it and put it and make it shorter. So we did. And, and uh, it, it was fun because even... Over an hour and a half would have been a double album. So I came in, I think, at an hour and 37 after the, at the show. And then we had to sit down and figure out what to do. And there were bits we wanted to keep and move around. And, and finally, because also in production costs, it would have been like another 800 bucks to throw to make a double album. Oh, and it would, uh-huh. would have made no sense to, you know, to just for seven minutes. Yeah. So we were able to fix it. And it worked out good. What I, was, what, what I want to know, uh, 88 minutes sounds like it's just about perfect for a gatefold double LP. So uh-huh. when... 
Yeah. When is that in the works? Uh, oh, please. Well, so that <laughs> makes me laugh as people write me. Because I've, I've been doing the podcast for, this is the sixth year. And so I have stories that I tell on the shows and stories I tell live that are different. And so I do the album and people get it and they're really, they're really nice. And then they'll write me and they go, when's the next one? And that's because we're all so used to instant access to comedy. You know, I I I recorded my show at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival that Tyler was at, and I've been offering that for sale. So that's essentially an album. Mm -hmm. It's just you know, and that was an hour and I think a half hour and twenty minutes, and it had a a story I had never told on the show. That was the selling point. And then so then I put out this album. So I've I've pretty much recorded two albums in a year, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it makes me laugh because and it's great. It's so great to have loyal fans, rabid fans who are just like, what more, more? What do you what do you got? We want another thing from you. We want another album. And I'm arrogant enough to think I could do it every fucking week. Like, I, I have stories. Well, you so, do. You kind of do, do, right? <laughs> well, essentially, you know what? That's a really good point. Yeah, I do. Uh, but I mean, in front of a live audience and go and record it, and I think I could actually move product doing that. There's laughter. Um, in, uh, in those, uh, in those well, episodes? Sure. Yeah, well, yeah but, that's, <laughs> but I'm not selling those. That's the thing. Is that's all a commercial yeah. for whatever else uh, comes, mm-hmm. comes back. No. Um, and, um, you know, we're all still trying to figure that paradigm out. You know, we give out the live free stuff or the, you know, the free stuff every week. And then we go, well, what can we do to monetize that? And that's, there's the rub. You know, we're, we're all trying yeah. to figure it out. So, and tweakedaudio.com helps. You know, yeah. they do a nice job. And anybody who steps up and offers to sponsor helps. And, and, and fans are so great. I have shirts coming out in two weeks and people want them now. You know, when, where, when, how do we pay you money? Take our money and shut up. You know, and that's, it's so amazing when people step up and do that. And, and. It's exciting, you know, I, and and so you're. You, when's the double album? I don't know. I mean, I, I like I said, I think I could do it this fucking weekend if I can get people to set it up. Um, but right now, we're trying to get people to notice the first one, and we'll see what right. happens. Yeah, but I'm saying for Christmas, maybe you do a limited <laughs> run of the Big Angry. As a double LP, have Mex do a whole pull-out like, oh. poster thing. Oh, dude. Well, the best... The, I, I've said often, the best Christmas gift I ever received in my life was Kiss Alive 2. Uh-huh. It was the greatest <laughs> gift of my life because we thought we were going to get... My, we asked my mom for it. It was in 77, 78? I don't know. I was 10 or 11. And um, my mom... We, Christmas morning, we opened all of our gifts and we didn't get it. And we were just kind of like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and then uh, we went to my aunt's house and we opened those gifts and then our cousin came up and handed us the flat... You know, uh-huh. and we knew, we knew. And you open it up, and there's just Gene Simmons spitting blood everywhere, and you're just staring at it. And you open up the thing, and when you open, when you opened up Kiss Alive Two, it had their stage set from awesome. that from the Love Gun tour. So it was, uh, and it's all just Sparks and them on fucking. I mean, they're just, they're just gods. They were gods, and you know, to a ten year old certainly. And so I, that's funny that you would say that too, because the packaging is so important to me. And the yeah. Big Angry, I made a joke. I, eh, joke. Uh, where I said, if people don't listen to the album, they won't be disappointed, you know, because the packaging on it is so amazing. Yeah. What David did, the artwork on the front, the artwork on the back, and then you open it up, and we took a, a ridiculous photo that he turned into something. He's just like, dude, just throw it in there. It's got to be in there. And then he has a portrait of me, and I made my liner notes, and then we put, we actually put our, our logo on the CD, the logo for the 40-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to look like that. I wanted it to be, because I mean, I worked on the road with a ton of comics who would sell shit that they recorded and then rec- burned in their house, you know, and mm-hmm. it would just be some black and white photo of them pointing at the lens and they're just <laughs> a way to rook the people out of eight bucks on their way out the fucking door. And I didn't want that. I wanted to make sure that people got something that they could look at and go, yeah, this is this is really good. Yeah, I don't, uh, at the risk of, sa- of saying a very, uh, an overused internet term, that that disc and, the, and, and all that whole album is very branded. Like that is a Mike Schmidt album. There's it was no important. about it. Yeah, that, that was what Dave and I try to do. I mean, I, I, David has been, it's so key what he brings to the show, to podcast and, and to the album. His, his look 
the aesthetic look he's created is just as much of the show as is my talking as is Lily's laughing and mm. producing we're a three-headed monster and it's favored nations I well not yet but hopefully if any real money comes in we can go favored nations on it because they I, they I could not do what I do if it wasn't for my producer Lily and David who does all the everything David does everything it's, it's not even I can't even clarify because he does everything no. I mean how many times can you you know go to your email in the morning and go hey uh, he, he's got a note and he's like ah, I just did this last night for you and it's a fucking knockoff it's like a, a you know a, a, his version of cashmere but to, about me and about my Joe business page and the stuff that I'm selling mm-hmm. um, and he did it overnight and it's and it's good that's the thing again it's not just some fucking guy yodeling into a bathtub with a goddamn ukulele <laughs> it's a dude who has a studio in his basement and he fucking pounds on a song and puts it out it's amazing we do an interlude at the end of every year and we sit down and he writes all the lyrics and all the music this year he did he played snippets of like 40 songs mm-hmm. and we recorded it all together he's just he's just it's he's a, a renaissance man because he can do anything you ask and I, i'm so happy to have him and it's true that it none of it is and and i i, I know that you you won't take this as an insult because it could be taken that way like none of that is necessary strictly speaking like it's a podcast. Yeah, you get a logo, record it every week. The end. Like that's how most people Case would approach point. it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a website, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're you're. I understand what you're saying, and, and you're it's right. just. But that's the thing is, I feel like maybe that's that's why the that's why the the good ones are good, and that's why they get an audience is because people when they come to the website, when they you know go to the Facebook page, when they listen to the show, when they get the album, like they know they're getting. Like I said before, it was Brandon. It's like this is Mike Schmidt, and yes, it's Lily. Yes, it's Max. But like they are, if you'll pardon me, they are in service of the show and in service of you. So like yeah. you are getting Mike Schmidt, and not just another podcast or yeah. anything like and, that. And, you know, podcasting is great because anybody can do it, as we've mentioned. You can you can they start sure can. it. Uh, well, true, but that's the, that's the bad part of it, too. Mm-hmm. They sure mm-hmm. can. That's a great way to put it because... Uh, you know, people will start, and then they they'll. There's the thing called pod fade, where they just decide they want to stop because they're only broadcasting to 17 people. And you know, I've had people write me and say, "Hey, you know, what's the secret? What do you do?" And then, well, you just fucking do it. There's no yeah. secret. You be good and hope people notice you. I got lucky. If I didn't have the built-in audience from Never Not Funny, yeah, I I would have been just as as guilty of starting. Uh, from scratch as anybody but I happen to have a mailing list of people who enjoyed what I did on that show and even a year later when I said I was doing a show they followed me and then it built from there because I was able to do shows like yours and other shows and people took notice of me there and thought I was funny and then gave me a chance and either hated me or liked me but if they liked me they hung around it was great uh, well, by the way we will talk about movies at some point folks don't, okay, first, don't this, run away this is our top of the show discussion is I want to really more than anything uh, I really wanted to try to have you on the show as close to the release of the Big Angry as possible, because uh, for for a number of reasons, I wanted to help out as much as I can, get the word out to people that might not otherwise uh, listen to you. Um, and uh, so I went and saw, because you've never done it officially in Los Angeles, right? And so I went and saw uh, like a preview. Um, where there was like a I discussion a, afterwards. Well, I rented a theater because I, I did. I had never. I'm a comic. I'm a stand-up comic, and I hadn't been on stage for, for any, in anger in uh, over two years, probably when I was decided to go back live. The only reason I did was a guy named Dave Williams in New York said, "Look, if you put together a show, I can get you into the New York Fringe Festival." Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, again, as as with most instances in my life, if I don't do it, then I'm a chicken. You know what I mean? You're just a fucking pussy at that point. Do it because now you're you're being handed an opportunity. Take it. 
So I needed to go out and kind of practice live. Mm. And uh, because I was doing the shows in San Francisco, I was going to do two nights in a row. And so I did. I, I rented a theater here in Los Angeles and I told people I could come for free because I didn't care. I just wanted to tell stories live in front of an audience again and see what it felt like. Because uh, the longest I had done up to that point on stage was around 42 minutes. <laughs> and then, I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at you, but uh, it's, it's, it's such a novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was novelty. That was actually like the first year I did comedy. I had to fill in for a headliner once in a room called Belly Laughs in El Toro. It's a fucking million years ago. <laughs> but uh, but then you know sometimes on the road I'd do forty in the middle spot if they needed me to stretch or whatever. It just mm-hmm. it, that. But that night you were there was about an hour and fifteen minutes, uh, maybe an hour and a half. Oh, why? What do you think? You got, it, it feels. I think it was longer, but that might have been the whole evening because well, it was there was super a lot loose. Of, I asked a couple guys, our friend Scott Boxenbaum and Paul Goble came yeah. and did some time ahead of me because yeah. I didn't know. Again, I didn't know anything about structure, so I'm like, let's get people some real comedy before I go up and jabber. And there was discussion afterwards as well. So the whole yeah. evening, I think, was, it was probably long. was about two and a half. Yeah, but yeah, I guess yours was right around an hour, uh, like ninety minutes. Yeah, because I wasn't sure what it would be, and so I got up there. I just started to talk, and and that's all it was. It was essentially live. That was the closest to a live version of the podcast that I'd had up to that point because I just. Talked in front mm-hmm. of people and you were there and, and, and I was another thing too it was free admission people always ask me why I don't do a show in Los Angeles okay I rented that theater it was 300 bucks which is fine I mean, that's fine I had to do it it's not bad um, but I offered people to come for free and how many people were there uh 25 uh 6 what I mean, not counting P- Paul and Lily and da 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 all those people no. I can actually name them my friend Jeff Jeff Lobb was there you were there uh, another couple was it Louie and his girlfriend came down actually came I think from San Francisco to see it huh. uh, yeah th- there was I could have sworn there were nope. more it felt like more people no sir Oh, man. Uh, and, and there was a little bowl there for people could throw in a few bucks. And they did. It was very nice. You know, I, I think I made 20 bucks out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just talked, you know, and you were there for it. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of knew going into the big angry what it was going to be. And then, yeah. so then in San Francisco, I did two nights. And one night I did a buck 45. And one night I did like an hour and 39. Um, but then as I got on the road, it became kind of more indulgent where mm-hmm. I was able to, I would talk about the trip I took in, in addition to the actual show. And, and near the end of that, because we called it the success is not an option tour. And near the end of that, I kind of went, you know, you're making people sit here and watch you for a really long time and they enjoy it and they're, they're very kind and they're very gracious, but you could shave an hour easily out of this, maybe an hour and a half mm-hmm. and get and be fine. And I, was, I learned that when I was able to go do the shorter shows and prep for the CD. And David was always telling me, because I'm, I'm bad. I'm terrible, because I don't want to rein myself in. I don't. Because um, that's one of the reasons. It's funny when I do the well, podcast. Well, you are a podcaster, and we tend not to do that. That's the way it should be. Yeah. But that's the way it fucking should be. There's no boss here. I don't have a boss. <laughs> I, I, I do what I want. You know, this week, I had, fortunately, I had, to, I had to throw in a clip. I had to throw in an old story because I, I wasn't there mentally for the show. I had, I had a texting with the IRS today. I was all fried. I was going to see my ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. Yes. But, uh, but I still did 45 minutes of original content <laughs> in addition to throwing in an hour and 20 of an old show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And your first episode was 20 minutes? First episode was 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, first episode of the podcast was 22 minutes. And I've done four hours. I mean, I've done, you yeah. know. Our, so. first, our first was 43. Yeah. And we were just like, and I look back. And admittedly, our three-hour and 50-minute episode is rare. Yeah. But I look back on that 43 minutes, and I'm just like, man, I feel like we barely skimmed the, sub- the surface yeah. of anything we were talking about. You can't talk about something in 43 minutes, right? Yeah, I keep threatening to put out, because you know, there are people who, they've all come on board later. So they didn't hear the first year. Yeah. And the, you know, the first eight episodes are with a different producer, my friend Eric, who's the only reason I'm doing this. He started it. He said, I'll do all the work. Just come and I'll do it. So 
you know, those are really different. I mean, the first one is 22 minutes. Then you can, you can actually hear me grow over the span of the first shows with Eric. Yeah. So I do 22, and then I do 31, and then I, the, and that one night I did 47. And I, and I remember that night going, Jesus Christ, you did 47 minutes and, yeah. and being freaked out about it. Um, and it, what's really funny is in the clip I threw in this week, uh, at the end of the show, you can hear me because I'm talking at the end of the clip. So if you'll hear it if you listen to this week's show or if you listen to that, whatever. It's a, long, it's a fucking Mobius strip. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you, you listen... At the end of it, I go, where are we at? To Lily in the, in the thing. She goes, we're at an hour, an hour and eight. I go, this is enough show, right? We've done fucking an hour and eight minutes. We're done. Let's get the fuck out of here. This is ridiculous. So, you know, and then cut to later. I'm doing four hour fucking shows by myself. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, just it's almost quaint. It's yeah, quaint it is. to think yeah, of Yeah, but I, do that. I used to do that a lot. I go, Jesus, where are we? And she goes, an hour and 20 minutes. Like, oh my God, we got to get the fuck out of here. But in reality, we don't. Yeah. That's the best part of this. We don't. Yeah. We, you and I, we could, we could talk. All three of us could talk all night long if we wanted to. And the joy is, anybody out there who loves it would love it. And people who hate it would then write us emails and go, "You guys are indulgent. You went too long." And it, hey, guess what? There's a thousand other podcasts. And uh, there a, are three hundred thousand. That's other a podcasts. careful <laughs> estimate. Absolutely. I, at, at the LA Podfest last year, I went to a, a little panel thing, and they said there are now. Of course, not all of them are running. But iTunes doesn't know that. So yep. literally every podcast that has ever existed is on iTunes and it totals 300,000. Yeah. Well, that was and a year ago. That was, yeah, that was a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably 700 at this point. Yeah. Well, we and probably, you can find uh, whatever you want. You can yeah. find whatever you want. It's great. I mean, I, I think it's such an amazing, and it's it's in its infancy still. Uh-huh. Um, and eventually, you know, the Cokes and the IBMs and the fucking, you know, the larger companies and will come swooping in and, and do what they can. to. And, and I'm sure it's already started. You know, there are other places, like Corolla has a deal with Coke and all this different stuff. And I think we've, I, we've probably tried this ground a little bit on your show before, but I, I, I think it's great. We don't have bosses. We can do whatever the yeah. fuck we want. I mean, it's definitely getting, you know, corporate. I was listening on the drive here. I was listening to an ESPN podcast. It's, not, you know, not the uh, guerrilla radio that it yeah, yeah. used to be. No, it's branded out the ass. But that uh, that brings we want want to get into movies. Yeah, and I but did quickly, just want to say I've heard I've I purchased the Big Angry. I was going to buy it on iTunes, mm-hmm. and because I wanted to hear it when I wanted to hear it. Right. <laughs> Basically, once I got back from Switzerland, I was like, oh, I got to do this, uh, and then I thought, you know what? I want that album. I want the artwork. I want the whole thing. And so I bought it from uh, your website, and you you signed it. You told me in your signature, you or in your note, you said that I should see Lethal Weapon, which I still have not. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so I do want to tell everyone, just like it's it's a really great album. It's it's touching. It's funny. It's uh, frightening at times. And you, it's you're just, very uh, nice. It's Thank good you. stuff. Yeah, it's it's different. I and uh, there's there's two tracks. And I told you before we went on air. My favorite thing is you know Matt Belknap who runs AST Records. He threw it up on the the AST forums, and a guy wrote, uh, "I'm seeing on Amazon there's only two tracks on this album. Is that true?" And Matt underneath just wrote, "Yeah, like a freight train rolling." And I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, that should you know we should put that out in the goddamn blurb on the cover." It was perfect because that's it's just. It's it's intense and it's funny and I think I've I've hit upon doing something that uh, that it works for me so I, I hope you'll give it a shot please do well uh, now before we get into the topic I want to do a, this is a new segment of the podcast it's called Let's Alienate Tyler by asking the guest about sports all right so uh, <laughs> is this just being invented today or is this a long time <laughs> uh, last week? it's, it's ah. developed <laughs> I like yeah. it so let me just uh, <laughs> let me just power that off all yeah. right. Um, uh, should I ask you about the, the Phillies, or are you more excited about the Chicago Bears season? Starting? Well, I, I certainly have to be more excited about the Chicago Bears because the Phillies are dead in the water, right? And they're using all the minor leaguers, and they're all learning. And the, the worst part about the Phillies is they're so stagnant. Uh, 
you know, losing can be forgiven. It happens and you get old, but what you can't forgive is the inactivity of a, a terrible general manager and a horrible front office. And you just realize, oh no, the next five years might be cooked because they don't know what they're doing. And it's disappointing because that what they've shown when they win, they print money. I went there two years ago to the park and it's ridiculous. It's a sea of red and it's just people spending fucking cash. But they think now they're thinking old ways. Oh, we got a ton of cash. We'll always compete. Well, no, because a lot of people are signing their young players and keeping them under contract. And so you won't have a crack at them. Um, but still, hopefully they'll go learn more about international scouting. But yes, I'm excited about the Bears. Who's your team, Dave? I don't even know. Uh, well, football, I don't. Um I don't follow the NFL that much because I grew up in St. Louis at a time. Most of my formative years were between the Cardinals and the Rams. So I, I never really, I guess I follow the Rams, but I'm more of a, with football, more of a college guy. I follow Mizzou, okay. but I'm really more of a hockey guy. The Blues are my I'm team. happy to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks if are, you'd like. Do you think, now since the, <laughs> since, not this most recent I'm sorry, blackout, wait one second. I'm happy to talk about the Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> if you'd like. That's what I'm going to ask. Since the, since the full season lockout in like 04 or whatever, no team has won the Stanley Cup two years in a row. Are the Blackhawks going to repeat? I hope so. Uh, I think they have potential to do it. It's just, you know, as you know, when you get into the playoffs, it's a crapshoot, especially in hockey, because people always say, oh my gosh, an eight seed beat a one seed. Well, yes, but look at the points for the year. The one seed had 104 and the eight seed had 94. Mm -hmm. So literally just that's a five game difference between those two teams. And it's because there, you know, there's really good teams concentrated at the top of either league. Uh, You've got certain teams like, you know, like Vancouver or, or Pittsburgh who they're, they're, Regular season is sort of a just a warm up, and you know they're going to make yeah. that. But then you've got a team like a couple years ago when the Kings won. You know, if you if you can get into the playoffs, everything is reset, and hockey, you got a shot. Hockey and football are very similar in that they're just a war of attrition. If if you can stay healthy and get through the slog, you're fine. You know, you it's it's crazy to watch. You know, last year the Hawks were playing the Bruins in the, in the Stanley Cup Finals, and it was fantastically exciting. It was great to watch. But a lot of their key guys were ruined. I mean, you know, there are guys skating with sports hernias and yeah. uh, fractured ribs, and they're playing, and they're playing well. Yeah. And because that's what you do, you just fucking tough through it. And there was, guy, there was a guy in the Bruin, Bruins who, like, his first interview after the after the game, he was like, just so you know, this whole series, I was playing with a cracked rib, a broken arm. Yeah, like, yeah. He just listed all the things he was playing. Yeah, and uh, he needed epidurals in his back every <laughs> night. And, and you're just like, God, Lord, how the fuck do you even stand up, let alone compete playing hockey? Marion Hosa, he played the entire series against the Bruins with, like, a, a sports hernia that was bulging out of him you know and he oh. kept playing oh. uh so that's, that's you know can they repeat i i think they can because they're talented they have a lot of depth and they have they have young dudes they've got like six or seven guys who can play in the nhl in their minors mm-hmm. so they can come at you in waves uh but as you know it's all about goaltending it's all about banging in the playoffs and and grinding it out because there are teams another thing it's also about styles because a couple of years ago the nashville predators were just they were clubbing people into submission. They're winning two to one games, three to one games, and if you can play that effective lockdown hockey in the playoffs, well, then you're always going to go places. And if a high flying team runs into that, well, it's trouble because you you can't you don't get open ice. And the Hawks like to use open ice. They use speed, but they also play great defense. Well, if they run against one of those teams that's playing trapping, they have to try to get the puck out of their own zone. It's it's. I hope they can repeat. I think they can. I think they have the skill to do it. We'll see. Uh, are you well, last sports question, last <laughs> hockey question? Are you bummed about losing the? Um, I guess whatever rivalry you, you, Hawks might have had with the Red Wings with them going to the other conference. It's a drag, kind of, but I also don't mind it because I don't. I don't want to lose to them. Like it's that thing where <laughs> they because they kicked the shit out of us forever, you know. And now we're we kind of are pushing them around a little until the playoffs last year when they they asserted themselves a little more. Um, yeah, it's it's not cool, but yeah. at the same time, you know, we still got the Blues that will play a lot. And honestly, mm-hmm. our, you know, our rival with Vancouver is really intense. 
Uh, so I, I, I'll miss the Wings, but I think it's fun. I think the fact that the Wings now get to play Boston all the time and they'll mm-hmm. play the Rangers all the time. You know, original six hockey is fun to watch. Yeah. And so the Wings going over there, and, you know, will, will I enjoy the Hawks playing the Columbus Blue Jackets more? <laughs> I, I guess they have to. Everybody, somebody has to, right? Somebody's got to play Columbus. But uh, but I'll, I'll deal with it. It's fine. And, and uh, you know, I'm excited for the Bears. I'm excited for all of it. I mean, we'll see what happens. I, all tonight, NFL started tonight. Yeah. I don't know if I'm – is this evergreen? I don't know. I don't want to give anybody Yeah, this will go up on Sunday. So the time this goes up, all the – Teams will well. No, I guess Monday night will not. Have I was happened. all excited to watch football. My, I got a fucking power outage in my apartment tonight, Oof. so it's I, I just so right now. But while we're here, I'm sure the looting has commenced. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening, <laughs> so I'm just hoping to return home to a fucking intact door. All right, was here, that, here's was that my, horribly boring for you, huh? Well, of course, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: I do. I I went and saw a couple Blackhawks games when, when I uh, lived in Chicago. I can go. First off, my wife is from Minnesota, so I've seen hockey. Ah. Uh, but I, but that's the thing. Going to a sporting event. Saying that makes me sound, it sound like you've seen it from her. Like she dons the pads and goes around skating. And you're just like, oh, okay. That's what hockey is. Thanks, hon. No, I, but where do you think she's in right now? She's playing goalie for her beer league. she is, yeah. She is actually at, at the Angels game right now. Um, but uh, no, I, I enjoy I, I love going to see baseball. Um, and I can, I've done the same with basketball. And I enjoy going to see hockey. Football just puts me to sleep no matter what. Um, but... But no, I enjoy. I really enjoyed going to see hockey. And here's my association with the uh, with the Blackhawks: is there was a there was a time when we were living in Chicago when they were not necessarily a hot item. So much so that what Jen and I we were dating at the time, what we would do is uh, just like, hey, we got nothing to do on a Friday night. Let's go to the stadium. No, it's not stadium. What United do you call Center. It? Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the United Center and uh, let's pay. Eight dollars per ticket because yeah. they'll be available. Mm-hmm. Eight dollars per ticket. Go sit in the nosebleed. Nosebleed, no problem. And just and there was never a time when that wasn't a feasible option because nobody nobody really cared about them at the time. And well, there they, were there were always a lot of open yeah, seats. They they cared, but they were so sick of the ownership, they decided to just okay. kind of boycott the Wurtzes, and they they didn't want to give them their money. They 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 ran that team into the ground, and really they ran it like a '60s enterprise in in, in the 2000s. It was terrible. But yeah, it's because there's always been diehard hockey in mm-hmm. Chicago. There, they there was a there used to be a publication called the Blue Line, which you could buy outside the stadium, the old Chicago Stadium. It was just these guys who put together essentially a zine about hockey and the Hawks. Mm-hmm. And there was a new one every game, like every time you'd go, they they actually had a new oh, wow. thing, mm-hmm. and you could buy it from them. And kind of it was a self sustaining enterprise. It was great. So there's a ton of hockey fans in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of waiting for the old man to die and turn the team over to his son and hope the son had some smarts, and he fucking did. It was great. Because that's the thing is I had I had mentioned to people that I did that just to, almost always in the context of like no see I've I've been to sports I get it <laughs> uh, but uh, and the people are just like oh that would not be possible now first off the <laughs> idea that you could walk up and get tickets that's out that's not possible <laughs> and if it were you would not be paying eight dollars no. like for for even the worst seats it'd no. be like fifty bucks or something you'd like be like to get a beer for eight bucks these days <laughs> uh, yeah I was at. Okay, we'll get into it. I, I was at a Dodgers game the other day, and um, I, I forget that, like, Dos Equis or Corona is considered an imported yeah, beer. Sure. And so I, I was thinking it's going to be the same, you know, the, the, the paltry 950 or whatever that yeah. a Budweiser is. 1325 yep. for a tall boy of Dos Equis. And the best part is, well, well you wait, a tall boy of Dos Equis? Yeah. That that's, uh, doesn't surprise me. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, why is that it's an imported? Signature. That is certainly not an imported beer to, I would say, Five sixths of the crowd in yeah, Dodger Stadium. Yeah, yeah. To them, that's just home nectar. They don't fucking. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Go okay. Ahead. Go ahead. So I've been to an, I've been to a number of uh, baseball stadiums. 
I my if I have a team, it is the Angels. But I've been, I've I go to Dodgers games. It's it's fun one way or the one way or the other. Uh, those Dodger dogs are overrated. Oh, like, those things are yeah. not good at all. Well, really? All of us used to live in Chicago at one point, yes. yeah. which is where all the real hot dogs are. Damn right. <laughs> uh, I, I feel the same way. The one t- like I went last year on I think it was like on Memorial Day or on Labor Day where it was Dollar Dodger Dog Day, and I got, had three, and I was like, yeah. Three of those for three dollars yeah, is about that's, that's about, about right. right. But five dollars for a Dodger dog doesn't seem yeah. I and I know. always get one. Yeah, and I'm just too. like and I'm like, what, what's like wrong with me? I don't get them. Well, well, because what are you going to get? Carl's Junior or sushi? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ! Yeah, they, they're not a, not a lot of great concessions there. Yeah. When you go to newer parks and you, you walk around, you're like, Jesus Christ! I, the food here is ridiculous. I love I love. Angel Stadium, it's I, great. yeah. Angel Stadium is good food. I was in Milwaukee. They had a, this new Miller Park has just such good concessions. Uh, where else was I? I mean, I've been all over. Uh, Yankee Stadium, by the way, is awful. I, the new Yankee Stadium, I was hmm. shocked, shocked at it. And like you know, hmm. seventeen dollar brisket sandwich, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but Philadelphia had amazing food. I, I San Diego, go to, oh dude, go to San Diego. They got a barbecue joint out back. Randy Jones's barbecue, hmm. and then they've got you know fucking tacos and sushi. They got all sorts of stuff. It's real good, good food. Let's I don't know why. I, I just wanted to say that Dodger dog thing because so many people <laughs> say like, oh, a Dodger dog. I think they just enjoy saying it or enjoy just the novelty of, hey, I'm eating. I'm at Dodger Stadium and just like, yeah, but this is not good. It's well, really. Well, you know what? I've been to Wrigley where I used to, you would get almost a green dog with a cold bun wrapped up. And it looked like it had been <laughs> right. there since April. You know, so when you go, maybe Dodgers were the first park to actually grill dogs and put them out like that mm. and people were like yay but now all the new parks have absolutely surpassed them cuisine wise it's mm. it's and that shouldn't even be a sticking point for a fucking baseball game but it is because you're right everybody goes crazy over oh, dodger dogs are so amazing well, i was like go go to san diego go anywhere else uh-huh. san francisco holy shit i went to san francisco <laughs> i was at uh, at&t park the food was unbelievable <laughs> I, I bought a like a like a 19 dollar soft shell crab sandwich and it was just it was so great i would have loved it. i didn't even give a fuck there was a game going on yeah I will say this. Whenever I go to a baseball game, probably about 40% of that is for just the shitty food that I'm going to eat. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I will have peanuts. I'll have nachos. I'll have a hot dog that I probably won't like. And, oh. And I'll get one of those little uh, malt ice cream things, but I insist on the wooden stick and oh, they'll sure give me the plastic spoon. Nope. I'm like, and I go, oh, you don't have the wooden thing? They're like, we've got them right here. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's great. And then I eat them. I was like, this is horribly inconvenient. A spoon yes. would be much better, but I don't know why yes. I insist on the other one. But right. they're so gross. I hate those wood things. Just the texture. It's like having baby powder in your mouth. It's awful. Oh, yeah. I fucking can't stand it. Okay, moving on. Sorry, so, Mike, David. I'm sorry. So you, obviously, you like the, 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 the newer, the expensive, the shiny uh, baseball stadiums. Watch this. I'm here assuming that you feel the yes. same way about blockbuster movies oh it's interesting that segue Let's get into uh, well i it depends on the blockbuster I, I'm, I might be the wrong guest for this show you know what i actually can i tag in a movie guy because i've done all i'm gonna do in this particular episode <laughs> um man i don't uh this this summer kicked the shit out of me i'll be honest with you i, I i'm and the last couple summers I watched, like, I went and saw, and again, when you say blockbuster movie, I think of immediately Transformers. Mm-hmm. That's, for some reason, that's the one that popped right into my head. Yeah. And I did go see that one, when I, and, and that was the one that really started the downhill spiral for me. Where I the just first went, Transformers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where I went, I just don't care about this sort of thing anymore. Yeah. To the point where, um, and I, I'm probably leaping too far ahead, but that... That was the one that really started the blockbuster fatigue for me. I think, and I could be wrong, but I, I just—that's the one that specifically comes to mind. Where I sat there going, "This is a waste of time. I don't know why I'm here. This isn't for me anymore." And so I don't know if that's blockbuster fatigue for everybody. I mean, it just might be me being an old man going, 
I, why aren't people talking to one another in this movie? Or what, where's the laughs? Where's the story? Where's the fun? And, and you know, just watching buildings fall down and shit like that, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. I, I remember this is, I, I guess, uh, compared to Transformers, a minor blockbuster, but still a blockbuster. Uh, a couple years ago, when Real Steel came out, where Hugh yeah. Jackman was in the, the robot boxing mm-hmm. movie. I enjoy that movie, and it's it, it's got some. Uh, com- it's competently made. Yeah, um, it but, is at times charming. But even the, the, the thing about that movie is, like, even in scenes that are supposed to be, like, one-on-one scenes, you know, that are supposed to be about the characters and stuff, every time a robot moves, it's, like, you know, 60,000 decibels. Like, it's, like, yeah, yeah. the loudest, most assaultive thing. And I guess that's – when you say Transformers and when you say blockbuster fatigue, that's a big part of what I think of as a blockbuster now is a movie that's just really loud. Yeah. I, I And I when I was a kid, I loved loud. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's something to be said for sitting in an ice uh, ice cold air conditioned theater and hearing da 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 da, and you <laughs> yeah. know watching Indiana Jones and and those were loud and I don't want to say with purpose but you know and obviously John Williams is is different than vroot, vroot, vroot. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it it involved you in the story I, that's when I was a kid that's the thing I really loved about movies was the fact that you would get enveloped when that Dolby noise used to start that you know that silly thing uh-huh. you were like all right guess what I'm at the fucking movies and every, nothing else matters doors are closed we're dark it's cold let's watch popcorn we're in uh, and now uh, you know that starts and it's it's really only the precursor to people's phones and people chattering and I, you know so my larger pick problem and we I don't want to steer off topic too much is the expectations people have out of films now like they'll go to blockbusters thinking oh you know this is going to be that thing where i can kind of turn my brain off so they do (laughs) right and they'll talk and they'll have the phone and and there's a difference between a crowd having fun at a movie and a crowd just being superfluous and 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 acting like assholes you know what i mean and ruining your experience because they just go oh well you know that that movie's on screen and we don't really have to pay attention to it can i tell a story this isn't a blockbuster uh but i saw blue jasmine this week i really liked it Couple of women in my row, my, my row, just couldn't figure out who Peter Sarsgaard was. They were like, "I know who he is." Talked to every the, time he was on the screen, actor or the character. The actor. They were like, I, "What is he?" Where from? have I seen that? Guy? Yeah, okay. Talking yeah, to yeah. each other, even at one point, <laughs> took a picture of the screen and texted it to their friend. Oh. Who is this guy? Uh, so that behavior is not just I'm relegated in, to, to no. You're exactly theaters. right. I, I agree with that, but, but it's not just American. Uh, I saw two movies in Switzerland. Uh, both of them. One of them at a tiny little. I would say hole in the wall, but it was a hole in the ground uh, movie theater. It was underground. Um, and that was just a little independent theater where there were six of us, uh, not unlike your, uh, your, your show. Uh, there were six of us and uh, two of them chatty. And then, and then I went and saw Elysium at a much more mainstream theater, chatty people. And so it's just like, yeah, it uh, seems yeah, to be global at I this would point. expect that out of Europe. Those people are savages. These <laughs> clock-building jagoffs. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Because they spend their whole time in a factory trying to be precise. That's their whole country. So they get to kick back in a dark room. They're like, finally, the boss isn't watching. Unten glieben, glauten globen. Let's do this. It's like, all right, fellas. That's the only time they get to relax and talk real Swedish. <laughs> Or Switzerland, or whatever the fuck, so, wherever you are. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what, what I want to uh, uh, talk about here is, well, I, is this summer? Is it because I guess we're all getting older all the time? That's my or question. Is was like, is this it, summer like, particular? Because I, I, well, let me stop you real quick, okay. just because it, like, getting back to something you said, real steel. Uh-huh. You said it was competently made, and you said you enjoyed it for the most part. For the most part, yeah. Did you really, in your homes, see the commercial and go, I can't wait to see the Hugh Jackman giant robot fighting movie? Or did you go, we have to watch it for the podcast? I got a press screening. That's how I went. Okay. Uh, I I spent a dollar on it at the theater near my house and just thought, yeah, 
that looks neat to me. Yeah. That was about it. Like, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it, and I certainly wouldn't have paid full price for it. But uh, I just, it got I okay it. reviews. Again, literally, the Hugh Jackman robot fighting movie. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just go, I don't, there's nothing there for me. I like Hugh Jackman. I think he does great work. Yeah. But within the context of that, I, I, it makes no sense to even think that I would be in a theater paying or watching it. I barely, I, I don't even know if I'd go for free for the press screening. It just, it has nothing for me. There's, and it could be me. That, that, that's the thing. I, I've had that thought of when I was younger, you know, I saw Independence Day and it was to me just the most amazing thing. I was 13 at the time, you know, it was exactly for me. Yeah. But, um, and I just think, okay, well, I mean, I liked blockbusters. I looked forward to them up until, I mean, you know, I looked forward to Iron Man 3. I was looking forward to Star Trek Into Darkness. And so, mm-hmm. like, so even now, but just oddly, but this, this topic, blockbuster fatigue it started with superhero fatigue and i was like nah it's bigger than that um i i don't remember exactly why i came up with it but the reason that i wanted you as the guest is because i could pinpoint for me what the movie was it was man of steel um and so many people were talking about just the destruction and just the just millions of people dying in metropolis and i and i myself it, that kind of thing doesn't necessarily get to me, but in that movie, it's like, man, it is everywhere. And then the more I thought about it, it's like, no different than the Transformers movie. Yeah. In many ways, no different than the Avengers, but the Avengers at least had our heroes interacting with the people that were dying and, and trying, trying to, to prevent save it. them. Exactly. Yes. You know, you've got Captain America working with the police. Like, it's just like one scene of that makes all the difference. Yes. But like so many, and just that's the thing is when you, when you talked about, um, you know, you're tired of seeing things, buildings fall down and, and blow up and stuff. It's like, that is what is associated with blockbusters now. It has to be the biggest thing, whether it be two robots in a ring fighting. Uh-huh. It has to have the biggest noise to make up for the fact that it's only two robots. Yeah. Uh, or it has to bring down an entire city. And it's no different than Independence Day. But what, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just. it's uh, We've changed. You know, we, we've gotten older and changed okay. a little bit, too, because I, I, you know, Independence Day, I remember watching that in a theater and, and you know, getting into it and enjoying it, but then also going, this is dumb. Yeah. Uh, and then the end is fucking atrociously bad, you know, and you just go, <laughs> oh, boy, you know, that, that but you but you gave it a pass. And the su- I used to see every movie in the summer, you know, I used to see, every, and, but, uh, you know, and again, I don't want to sound like one of those crotchety old dudes, but it's different when you're sitting in a theater watching Aliens. And it's different when you're sitting in a theater and watching Terminator 2. Yeah. Uh, and it's different when you're sitting in a theater watching District 9. You know, because District 9 came out of fucking nowhere. And that was a movie where I, you know, I'd, I saw the posters and I thought it was a real clever campaign. I didn't know what the hell it was about. Yeah. And then I went and I sat there and I was stunned by it because it was so amazingly good. Yeah. And I was so happy. I was so happy that I took the time because I, I, in my head I was like, I, don't, I never would have even thought to go see this. Yeah. So I'm always rooting for that. I, don't, I want to like things. You yeah. know, I don't want to. I don't want to be this cynical prick who's just like, ah, I only like the movies where you know, fucking Ingmar Bergman is smoking. I mean, the fuck, I don't care. That means nothing to me. I want to see things that are good. But it just so happens for me, my personal thing now is I want to see Killing Them Softly, which you know mm-hmm. I thought was a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think I might be in danger of being that guy. I don't know about specifically Ingmar Bergman and, and the smoking, <laughs> but I might be because uh, this summer I have seen fewer of the blockbusters than ever before. Yeah. I saw Pacific Rim. And then if you count Hangover 3, that, but that's it. You that's saw it. Hangover 3? Yeah. Did will, you, and you uh, saw 1 and 2? Yes. Did you see it out of a sense of obligation? No, I. this is a whole other thing because I am a defender of the Hangover trilogy. Yeah, especially okay. recently. Man, I'm getting... 
Can we go back to sports? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really like the Hangover movies. I, I, went and I saw loved the first night. one, and the second one was entertaining. But it was the exact same movie as the first one, and I went, I don't need to see another carbon copy of this. I don't need to. It's and, fine. Well, it sounds the, like the third uh, one is, it is not. Yeah, the third one isn't. But so, what the third one is, is it's more of an action comedy than a comedy with action. Okay. You know, it's got... Uh, uh, yeah, there's not as many jokes in it, and like I just can't watch a sad-faced Ed Helms go. I can't believe it one more time. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> just the, you know the first two, like I said, and Zach is fucking gold throughout everything uh-huh. he does or says. So that's why I was willing to see even the second one, where I went, well, of course I have to see it, and I and fucking Ken Jong is is retarded good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if you want to see, there's a there's a scene with Bradley Cooper and Zach Galifianakis looking for Ken Jong in a penthouse with strobe lights and uh, naked strippers and uh, Black Sabbath's NIB playing super, super loud. How did I not see this? Yeah, I'm saying, what the hell's wrong a, with me? there's something funny about it, but it's a super badass sequence. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth seeing for that. Yeah, I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to pay another 16 bucks to see what I thought would be the same film. You know, it's funny, because with, with Austin Powers, you know, if we mm-hmm. want to go to that, uh, I loved the first one, mm-hmm. loved it. And then I saw the second one, it was the same thing, where I was like, well, I li-. it was like Hangover 2. I go, I like this. Um, but it's, they literally remade the exact same film. You well, know, that's, essentially, actually, we were just talking about this. My, I, I feel like this is going to sound condescending or snobbish or whatever. But with the second Austin Powers, they took all the stuff that the dumbest people liked about the first yes. one and made more of that. They said, "Let's do a bunch more catchphrase stuff." Yeah, and they, that's what yeah. they did. And that's why I was, I was so disappointed. I was like, "Ah, it's okay, I guess," but it's not because I liked the character enough to where I was like into it. But then I saw the third one, the Gold Member, and I didn't I'm even sure bother. Uh, it's fucking great. Really? I, I loved it's it. It's definitely better. I, I, I damn loved it. I, I heard that first, the opening sequence is just amazing. It's so great. I, I For me, because again, they go back to silly. I like silly. And mm-hmm. and Michael Myers did, he did, Mike Myers did silly really well. Um, and the second one was more self-aware silly, which I don't yeah. care for. Because a lot of that, because he, he's always been about that, that mugging to the camera, that look. But in the third one, dude, I can't, there's I, I I won't bore you, but there are scenes in there where I just go, God damn, that's fucking great, you know. And, and I loved it. I loved it's Goldmember, right? That's the third one. Yeah. I hope to God. Yeah. I was excited and, to see Michael Caine in it. Uh, <laughs> I remember there there being things that that drew me to it, but I just never got around. You to should. It and, I mean, I, it's really really funny. Right. I, I was well, yeah. You'll watch it. You haven't watched fucking Lethal Weapon. Yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, it's in the queue. It's in the Mike Schmidt movies I'll never watch. Before. Hey, if something is streaming, I'm much more. If if they start streaming Lethal Weapon. I'll see it. Call me. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, you know why? Because you can watch the movie and I'll just stare at you the whole fucking time. Go, yeah, right? You see? You want a shot at the title? Uh, just, just an intro. Yeah, I don't care. Um, but the, what I was going to say about the movies is that, um, and maybe this is also just a part of me growing up or whatever, but I didn't see Iron Man 3. I didn't see Man of Steel. I didn't see Star Trek Into Darkness. And I think in a, in previous years, even like last year when I made sure to go see Prometheus, even though I heard it wasn't great, um, this year, I don't care that I'm missing out, I guess. Right. Maybe this is part of getting older. Like I used to really want to... I had to know everything. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I bought six newspapers a day, and I had to be the first guy with the information. And <laughs> you know you know what came along? The internet. That's computer yeah. mic. Because I used to be the guy who wanted to break news and be the first guy, hey, did you hear about this? Well, yes, everybody's heard about it now. <laughs> courtesy of Twitter. You don't, yeah. you, don't, you don't have any more... It used to be stand-up. I would be the one guy a night who would be doing stuff out of the news. Now, like you know, it's so instant. Mm-hmm. It's so quick. Everybody's got jokes immediately. So, yeah, you're, I think you're, you're very right. When you get older, just who you are changes as a person. Like, I didn't... Like, Star Trek holds nothing for me. I've never seen any of the movies. I don't, I don't care for the subject matter. And I was told, everybody's like, oh, dude, you should just see it. And, well, I don't care about space. I mean, I, I, that, <laughs> it, that does nothing for me either. And Pacific Rim I didn't see because of Transformers. 
Because I saw again that was that was a trailer I saw with that and just that bad you know uh, soon they came for us and then we had to train to come for them and I'm just oh no it just that sounds so stilted and bad uh, I'm not and gonna I, defend it I hated the movie really because yeah. I've heard nothing but great things and how fun it was and people saw it over he, and over I didn't see it but I would venture to say people gave it a pass because Guillermo del Toro which should, if you if you gave anybody else if you said yeah. exact same movie and someone said a oh, Brett Ratner directed it yeah I think more people would have hated it because Guillermo del, del Toro he deserves a, a pass quite frankly I almost went to see it just for him just yeah. so he could have money to make what he wants to make because did yeah. you read the Esquire article on him a few, no. two years ago you have to find it because he has these amazing ideas these grandiose ideas and was it is it oh fuck and of monsters and of, oh, of uh, the mountains, the mountains of madness. Jesus, but, yeah. cr- dude! If he gets to make that, they will shut down movies forever. <laughs> It'll make Avatar look like blue fucking Lagoon Valentine. Whatever the fuck you saw, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Blue Lagoon Valentine. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Where the the characters from Blue Lagoon get together, <laughs> but their marriage doesn't work. No, out. not at all. And uh, Christopher Atkins gets to go down on Michelle Williams. NC seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean. So if he makes that, you know, and he's just an interesting person, they should let. I wonder how much of it is is studios killing blockbusters. Like, do you know we we you talk about superhero fatigue? Do do these directors like Sir Kenneth Branagh made Thor, mm-hmm. or he's making the Thor sequel? Or he made the no, first he made, one. He made the first. He made the first one. Okay. The second one is Alan, Alan Taylor, who's done a billion Game of Thrones episodes. Of cool. The he's it's a TV first, guy. It's his first feature. All right. Well, I hated Thor. Oh, the I first thought, one. I it was all right. I um, it did nothing for me because it just, I, 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 like I said, it was like, you know, Natalie Portman's a fucking genius and Thor comes down and eventually fights a guy, a, a robot. I'm mean, like, who cares? It literally is a snooze. There's nothing for me there. The mythology, none of it means well, anything. See, that's actually the stuff that I liked about Thor was not the Earth stuff. It was all the Asgard stuff because it felt like, oh, it's Kenneth Branagh making another Shakespeare movie. Well, we, I, did we talk about it here where I said it, it yeah. made me laugh in an Asgard, the only black guy has to work the door. It was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. really? <laughs> it's fucking terrible. I, it just did nothing for me at all Thor and that killed me you know what's funny is then that killed me for Captain America didn't care didn't watch it then watched it on DVD really liked it wished I'd seen it in the films the thing is like the reason that this started as superhero fatigue I saw the Wolverine Um, and David I want to go back to something actually real quick that you said you said like oh I didn't feel the need to see these movies or be a part of the conversation whatever and just like Aside from Iron Man 3, which has a pretty kick-ass twist, whether you like it or not, uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I respect it a lot. Um, Like, aside from that, and I like, I didn't like Man of Steel, but I liked Star Trek Into Darkness. But I'll say this, like, I'd seen it before in the first Star Trek and every other movie. And just, you just, you don't need, with Prometheus at least, you could argue, it's not that good, but you could argue like, well, it's, a th- it's a throwback to Alien, and it might be doing some new things, and just like nothing's new anymore. Uh, just every well, buildings are going to fall down, whether it's a robot yeah. or Superman. Like it's yeah, going to happen no matter what, are, and it's just so exhausting. You almost wonder. People, go ahead. Sorry, there, there were people making the argument, like on Twitter and such, that but when when you know Pacific Rim, despite all its hype, didn't have the best box office. People were saying. We need to go see Pacific Rim because we need to support more original movies. Yeah. And that's ridiculous to me. Yes, okay, so it's not based on... A pre-existing you know, a pre-existing, property. But there's not a whole lot about Pacific Rim that's original <laughs> right. at all. Yeah. Like even, you know, you go back a few years, Inception, which is a movie that I uh, didn't like very much. But even that, I'll buy that argument with that. Like, it's cool that Christopher Nolan got to make Inception. Yes. Even though I didn't like it, it's pretty cool that he got to spend $200 to make this weird-ass thing. And that's what I wonder. Are there guys out there who want to change the blockbuster? Are, like, you know, like Charlie 
Copley and, and, and people like that who want to do because I'll tell you what oh but I saw Elysium it I, took one movie for them to make a, just a who gives a shit run of the mill I you answered my question because I was just going to say I you know when I heard that was him I, I and I will tell you this alright let's go back I'm in a theater this, this year probably for Man of Steel and I saw the trailer for Elysium and I went did they remake District 9? This looks just like <laughs> District 9. I, mean, yeah. I swear to God. And then at the end, it's a Charlie Little And I went, oh, my God. He's he's doing that? No, no. Like, they they told him, do that again. You know what I mean? Or, or if that's the only oh, IEDA do, he had. Do it again, but worse. And with Because Neil Blomkamp is the director, and then Charlotte Copley is, right. the, uh, Neil, is the actor. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and he's back as well. But it's just... To me, because I'm I, I really like District 9, and then at the end, it kind of turns a little video gaming for me. But... Um, but that main character is to me so fascinating and so original, and to build a whole action movie around that yeah. is like, oh, that's great. Yeah. And then then they said with uh, Elysium, just like, okay, so let's take that character out and replace him with nothing, and uh, and let's let's make a lot of the uh, a lot of the al- the political allegory. Let's make it clunky and obvious and and really easy, and just like, and I watched it and I was like, I. I guess I'm glad I saw it so I can talk about it. But wow, it took one movie for this guy to just be like everyone else. And it's disheartening, right? It, yeah. Because you're like that. This guy has a new voice, and he's going to bring uh, different things to the table and make them. And 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 then you're so fried. It's like yeah. you know when I saw 300 um, with the the Zack Snyder movie, mm-hmm. and I fucking I, <laughs> I I I was I wanted to love it. You know, again, I saw the trailer and I go, what the fuck is this new looking awesome thing? Yeah. And I'm all about fake tough guy shit. And then I went and saw it and it ended. And I, I went and saw it at midnight at the fucking uh, the, at man's. And we're walking out and people were cheering. They're going crazy and they're on each other's shoulders and going and having fun. And it ends and we're going to walk out. And uh, and this guy stopped and he kind of looks at, looked at the screen and he's looking and he looks at me and I just go, uh, that was fucking awful, right? <laughs> and he goes. It was amazing. Like, he was so mad at me. I thought I found a kindred spirit because even he was making a face. Yeah. But I think he was actually just sad and it ended. And he wanted yeah. to live in 300 world. Yeah, he was. it was that Avatar thing before. Yeah. Then. Oh, dude. And it's so... But again, he was a guy. I'm like, was this going to be going to be a voice? Is this going to be a dude? It's, it's like when Saw came out. Are these going to be the guys? And now they've gone on and made Insidious. And they, you, know, you can see yeah. them progress, but you sort get into, of. Like with, with Neil Blomkamp, uh, and you mentioned Kenneth Branagh, and... Uh, uh, another thing that I've gotten fatigued, maybe grown jaded about, is when you've got a big like uh, blockbuster or franchise property, and they bring in uh, like an auteur or like a, a you know someone with a personal vision, and you're like, oh, that's really that's a really cool choice, but it never happens the way you want. Well, it ha- they get co-opted. You know, I, I was excited, and I still am tentatively excited that James Gunn is making the Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel because I like James Gunn, but a part of me is like. He's, you know, they're not gonna let him be as as, as dark and, and as weird as. Yeah, you're not gonna get is. super or slither from that. Movie. <laughs> yeah, and and so it's it's the same thing with uh, with with but Neil, you, Neil Blomkamp. You come from that from the camp of a fan of the auteur, auteurs, right? You're not a fan of the comics right. because I can tell you the comic people are like. Whoa, Ang Lee's making the Hulk? Is Hulk still going to smash? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what people want to see. You know, there is that, that base camp of fans who grew up with these properties, and they want to see them do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Nobody wants to see fucking Iron Man sit and get reflective and, and be pissed off or worried or sad or, you know, people... But they make it work. You know, Favreau made it work, and I, I loved Iron Man 3. I, I thought it was a grown-up superhero movie. Well, I and there, there's somebody... I. <laughs> 
I blame the studio for most of, I'll say society's ills. Um, <laughs> I won't even just stick, stick with movies. But uh, every once in a while, I'm like, what? I have to assume a studio exec, even if the film was successful, I have to assume a studio exec got fired over such and such. Like, how, how did Shane Black still come through? Awesome. It, it just, that's what was great about it yeah. and, and it made me so happy because I mean as you know I'm a huge Shane Black guy have you yeah. seen Lethal Weapon uh, <laughs> I saw three is that uh, <laughs> I think he's actually involved in three um, but yeah he's when I saw he was taking it over I could not have been more excited because fucking Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and yeah. all, you know, every, all of his stuff I dude I fucking yeah. liked uh, the what was the football movie the, the oh, um, and I, Last Boy Scout and also and I you know again it's it's over the top crazy movie vegematic but it still works but I actually enjoyed uh, another one too Schwarzenegger when he comes out of the movie screen and he's a, he's a real guy last, last action hero, hero. Yeah. I, I dug okay. that movie I mean yeah. I loved the idea of it and I still thought the execution on it was real good I, dug, I yeah. thought it was great I, yeah I still think the fact that he's throwing ice cream cones at people and then they're exploding well yes <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> that's funny like, that's yeah, fun, it's joke, funny right? ridiculous it should yeah. be ridiculous yeah, yeah that's the whole point but that's like that's but when I saw that Shane Black I thought that's a great fit Undoubtedly, Robert Downey Jr. said, well, you know who I worked with on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He'd do a good job. And my first thought was, now we're talking because I think I'm going to like him more than Favreau. But then I did also have the reservations like, he's going to be making the third movie in a franchise. It's going to be PG-13. There's there's only going to be so much. And admittedly, with certain things, it's just like, okay, this feels rather generic. But where it counts in that movie you're yeah. like what the hell where did this come from great. I had and again I'm not even sure if I found it dramatically <laughs> satisfying <laughs> but who gives a shit it, it was so refreshing yeah. that the third film not merely the third film in the Iron Man franchise but the first film back from the Avengers yeah and just like oh, they let him do this and that was enough for me to because Iron Man 3 really when you when you add it all up it's probably about a two and a half star movie maybe three at the most uh, for me but I have so much respect for it compared to you know Elysium and, yeah. and Star Trek Into Darkness which was enjoyable or but Iron still, Man 2 or Iron Man 2 which yeah. I liked Sam Rockwell but you know we hope uh, not I mean exactly yeah. but uh, but that's the thing is just the but then I saw the Wolverine which I had high hopes for. I hadn't seen X-Men Origins Wolverine, which I heard was just atrocious. Um, yes. <laughs> but J- but James Mangold, who did 310 to Yuma, did Walk the Line, like a very capable director. Uh, Directed a movie called Heavy. I never saw that. Yeah. Did you like that? Yeah. I just I, Every time someone brings up James Mangold, I make sure to bring up Heavy, which is this tiny movie he made with uh, Deborah Harry and Pruitt Taylor Vince. Hey, I like him. <laughs> and Liv Tyler and... Um, Shelley Winters. It's a weird little movie. Wow. That's, it that's is really a fun good. cast. Yeah. Hmm. Um, excuse me. And so, uh, I forgot. Oh, James Mangold. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and I knew that, because I, I, I stopped reading comic books when I was younger, but there was a little uh, little mini-series, I don't think that's what they're called, of Wolverine, which he goes to Japan. And I was like, oh, which this is based on incredible. that. Incredible. Yeah. The, oh, the, you've read it. Well, I, yes. I, I was a Wolverine guy as a kid. My brother collected yeah. comics. And all the stuff when he went to Japan. Yeah. Shingen and like the whole, the whole gang. The so clan, great. The clan Yoshida. And so, and so I, was, I was excited. I was yeah. thrilled. And when I, I saw the movie and I... And, and the and when it's when it's unfolding, it's just like all right, okay, we're doing pretty good here, and just and I had that, but immediately I was like, well, I'm biased though because I'm just excited that they're telling this story, mm-hmm. uh, and then 
And there's a really great... Did you see it? I have not, because okay. uh, we talk about superhero fatigue, and I mentioned Thor's killed me for Captain America, <laughs> okay. and uh, Wells, Man of Steel killed me for Wolverine. I didn't Man of Steel can see. kill you for anything. It is a soulless <laughs> <Like>, enterprise. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. It's a film with a lot of Christ analogy. The film almost killed me for Christianity. <laughs> like, that's what that movie is. It's... Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've done enough talking about it. I, I could not have hated it more. Yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to have you on to talk about it, and then I remember, the, oh, you did uh, you did uh, Comedy Film Nerds. So I had Mike Siegel and Pat Francis on, and we just talked about it. And, just, and, that, was, and that does seem to be the one where a lot of people um, – I'll, I'll get back to the Wolverine in a second. But like that Man of Steel, I'll, I'll repeat what I said earlier. That is the one that made people just – and Transformers, people felt it, certainly with the second one. They're just like, oh, do we need this again? And then – then Battleship came out last year and people just rejected it. Maybe it was like, oh, it's based on a game. It's like Transformers based on toys. Like who get what? Yeah. And just, <laughs> but it, they just thought it was just another type of Transformers. And well, we already have one. It's like, well, yeah, but we have all of these <laughs> in some way, shape or form. But Man of Steel seemed to be the one where because it was Zack Snyder and because those trailers were good and it made you feel like, oh, they're really going to, they're just going to have this operatic tone. It's going to be really awesome. And just like, ah, it, it, it's operatic, but not in a good way somehow. No. And it's just everything is big, and it does seem to be this attitude of bigger, I don't know, bigger is better, or I guess whatever. It just, I don't know, the, just talking about, as you might be able to tell now, just talking about Man of Steel exhausts me. It is. I, I, I completely, that's a great word too, exhausts. Yeah. Because it is so, as I said, soulless. Um, and I, I was out, by the way, I'm not even a Superman guy. I was out on it. I figured I'd see it. Um, because I, you know, I maintain Superman Returns is just so fucking terrible. Because I, you know, as we all, I think I've talked on here about how. Uh, oh, never mind. Forget. Yeah, it. I believe I I quoted your thoughts on Superman oh, Returns okay. in our my Man of Steel episode. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, so I, but then I saw the Zod trailer. The, yeah, and I went, "That's it. I'm in. You got me, Michael Shannon. Here we go." And and it made it look like, "All right, this is exactly what I want to be there for, and I'm going to see." And then next thing I know, there's Lois Lane scaling an ice wall, and I'm like, "I'm I'm done. I'm fucking done." <laughs> yeah, so terrible. Yeah, and so I, terrible. And that's the thing is, I get I get suckered into these things. I get suckered into the Wolverine because, oh, and it got not bad reviews, and I liked part of the approach, which was it wasn't really part of the continuing saga. It was just like a one-off and i was like that is an i a neat idea i like that uh but just after it's just and there's a neat sequence that happens on the top of a bullet train and that's really well done you've seen that kind of thing before but it's well done but then at the end then he fights the adamantium samurai robot and just like are you fucking kidding me it's it's like silver samurai but there's like it 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 looks like Silver Samurai, but it's a that's why I call Silver Shogun. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And so like, but it's just like, it really, you've got the Wolverine, or you know, you've got Wolverine. You've got this interesting storyline, but I guess it just wasn't big enough for you mm-hmm. to justify it being released in July. And so you got to have this thing, and immediately just whatever energy, whatever goodwill the film had with me just drained out. Because I felt like I was watching just one more fucking thing. And it just... Do you think... Um, you mentioned July. Do you think part of the fatigue might be that the blockbuster season is no longer just relegated to the summer? You yeah, know? I mean, it starts in April. You mentioned 300 before. That was a March release. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, we had Hunger Games come out in March of last year. The second Hunger Games is coming out in November of this year, right in the middle of yeah. awards season. It's, well, I think they did the, in the middle of awards season, but also I feel like 
there are now so many blockbusters that I think they thought, well, maybe it'll get swallowed up. Whereas in November, what's it going to be competing against? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Uh, this is a slightly off topic, but you mentioned Brett Ratner, a director that I know all movie nerds hate. But speaking of blockbuster type movies that came out in the fall, Tower Heist surprisingly good i really enjoyed that movie really i also like you at real steel i went to the the two dollar second run theater to see it uh i really enjoyed it i remember hearing it was better than anybody thought it would be i i I would recommend people see tower heist i'll make it a priority okay (laughs) if it's between that and lethal david i was gonna see lethal weapon but now it's tower heist (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'll go with you i'll stare at you the whole time (laughs) (laughs) but i guess this is what i'm i'm saying like uh is it a good or bad thing a is it bad that we're getting big franchises all through the year or is it good that they're getting spread out and maybe we can no that doesn't matter if they're good i'll see it yeah. If it's if it's good, I don't give a fuck when you put it out. That's fine with me. But and again, this could be a personal thing. I I'm tired of super guys and space and and monsters. You know, if you gave like I said, I, I hate to be that old guy to harken back to Indiana Jones, but that is a blockbuster with humans doing human stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, if you give me like the the born identity. That's humans doing humans in a blockbuster, and I and I enjoyed it. And he's a superhero in a sense, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's not. He's wearing a fucking stupid suit, and he gets to do cool stuff. It's like Ocean's Eleven and Twelve, uh, or, uh, Ocean's yeah, Ocean's Eleven and Thirteen, not there Twelve. Um, but both of those are again cool people doing cool stuff in a cool place, and those are blockbusters. So, and I want to be invested in that. I, I want to go back to when I was like a teenager and tell, like my mom used to make fun of Die Hard because of the fact that he right, wraps the fire hose around himself and jumps yes. off the roof, and she's like, "Yeah, right." I want to be like, "Why don't you fast forward twenty years?" Yeah, <laughs> what kind of shit is going on in movies? That looks, From yeah. him. Yeah. Watch <laughs> yeah. Now he's lifting planes off of people. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I'm not even necessarily opposed to franchise because if you get the right director in there, you, know you get Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol yes. and it feels fresh. It feels fun. And, and, it was and I think this is my bias. That's maybe more my problem. But the more numbers you've got after a title, the less likely I am to see it. Oh, me too. I, I like the Mission Impossible movies. I never got around to seeing Ghost Protocol. Well, let me ask you I this. Should. And because this, I, I find this, again, This I'm coming strictly from my personal point of view, my viewpoint. Uh, I find myself dismissing movies after the initial burst of these are good or this is bad. Uh, in the old days, you just I just went to movies. I, I was critic proof. I was like, mm-hmm. fuck it. I'm going to see whatever I'm going to see because I want to see it. Well, I was really excited for Wolverine. I really wanted because I loved those comics, the yeah. Japanese stories when I was a kid. Uh and then I just, I saw Man of Steel and I was like, eh. And then Wolverine kind of came out and people were like, eh. And I went, well, I don't need to see it then. Yeah. And is it, I don't know if it's a, a, you know, the $15 thing, you know, for, to go to a film, the battling shitty crowds, all of those things factor into the fact they're. I, I think it's also the fact that you're a smart guy and that, uh, yeah. that you're, that. But uh, I never you know, used a, to a, let. A 15-year-old is still going to trust a trailer over a review. Right. Which seems insane to smart people because the trailer has an ulterior motive of wanting your money and the, the review doesn't get any money from you. So uh, right. I think uh, that's just also a sign of just being more, becoming a more sophisticated movie. But goer. I also, you know, it's funny we mentioned about instantaneous and how Twitter and really quickly. So I find myself, if I don't see something the opening weekend, I don't want to see it because everybody else has seen it and there's no point in me seeing it. Like, like I have to be part of the group instead of just, seeing it for my own enjoyment like I, I i don't know why i but i guarantee you i feel that way if, if a movie comes out on a friday and i haven't seen it by monday and it's it's the talk of the water cooler and all that kind of stuff i might just go eh, there's 
what am I going to gain from seeing that? This is, and again, this is me. Um, I would buy newspapers and I would read them and someone would ask me if they could use my newspaper. Hey, can I read your sports? And uh, I would often say no, uh-huh. which made me look like a cock. <laughs> but uh, sometimes when I could not get out of it and I had to hand it to them, I would throw away my newspaper and I would buy another one because they took all the information out of my sports section. Not interested. I need to read mine. Uh, it's a weird thing, guaranteed, <laughs> absolutely. But it comes. It's funny. There's a scene in To Live and Die in L.A. where Willem Dafoe has to go get his money back from Steve Jones, and he has they have a big fight, and he and his guy beat some guys up, and he puts a gun in Steve Jones's mouth, and then the next scene, he's in his house naked, and he's burning all of the counterfeit money in a fire, right. and the woman goes, "Why? That's perfectly good money. Why wouldn't you just give it to you know use it in another thing?" And he just goes, "No good to me after they have handled it," <laughs> and absolutely right. I, that's how I would feel about like newspapers, and that's kind of how I feel about films it's no good to me after everyone has sucked all of the joy out of it even though it would be joy that i would have from it I, and it's a weird thing of as me but i'm willing more willing now to let the crowd decide what i will and won't see well and also this goes back to the idea that in summer there's just so every week has something big right and so if you're not if you're talking about the man Wolver- of Steel. If you're talking about play. yeah, you're talking about man of steel everyone else is talking we we talked uh, you know part of that's the internet we're done with Man of Steel. Yeah. That was oh, that was a few days ago. Now we've <laughs> moved on to the Wolverine, and just and so that's for, the, for it, myself. That's I, a very great, uh, a really good way to put what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's just that I I have so much. This is amazing fatigue. I'm yeah. I'm just tired of it. Today, just today, the RoboCop trailer went all over the place, mm-hmm. and uh, I yeah, I have this I haven't seen it because there's this power outage at my house. But also at the same time, I went and again, literally, this is what it's all about. Facebook guys like. Oh my god! I can't. This looks fucking amazing. Actually, I can't. I didn't think I'd like it. Scroll down on my same page. What a load of shite the the new <laughs> RoboCop looks like. I'm like that's that's the internet in yeah. in twelve seconds. Yeah. Yay! Boo! That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, I, it's uh, by the way more tending towards the yay actually, and that's tough for me to say because I'm a huge RoboCop fan. Yeah. But stuff is looking good in this remake. Well, that's that's. <laughs> I know, a lot of people are pronounced about the fact that the uh, the armor is black. I understand you want to keep with that classic silver, but. That's not what the movie's... That's not the whole point of RoboCop is to be so... And we'll be discussing it. We'll have an episode about uh, fan entitlement later. Yeah, we're going to um, But the... Uh, and you know, you bring up something interesting. Maybe part of the fatigue for me and maybe for other people, because there have been people talking about... There have been articles written about how uh, summer's going to implode soon, and it's on its way. You get... You get... I can't think of any from this year, but uh, even though, you know what? Wolverine didn't do as well as people expected it Pacific to. Rim. Pacific Rim. Yeah. You know, last year you had Battleship, you had Dark Shadows, stuff that maybe were sure things if they'd come out a couple years before. Just people can't see everything. And so people have to make their choices. And so like summer is slowly but surely going to uh, to implode. Uh, so it's something that that I've been thinking about why. And so the fatigue is not merely mine, but you bring up this idea that it's never just the movie. It's the movie and all the opinions. It's yeah. the movie and expectation. It's it's the movie and it's going to be bad, it's going to be great. It's all this stuff. It just carries a lot of, a lot more baggage than it used to with Independence Day. Like there what I don't know, and I feel like maybe that cheapens it a little bit. Like the idea of there being an event film. It's like every every week's an event. Yeah. And it's an event that you'll run the and it's because it's an event you're going to run across opinions that you don't that you haven't specifically sought out you can't help it so it might not keep people from seeing a movie 
but it will certainly keep him from enjoying it maybe as fully as they used to. Yeah, I, I just, I really find the echo chamber uh, detracts from, I wouldn't even say my enjoyment of the film. It detracts and takes away my exuberance for even seeing it. I, I don't, I don't wish to be involved at that point because it just turns again it's just a rock fight inevitably after it comes out yay boo we love it we don't like man of steel you know we can shit all over it i hated it i still will maintain it was really awful like i I will argue that with the the most ardent supporter of that film and it still made 480 million dollars yeah and then they wiped away any bad memory by announcing that batman's in the next one and and everybody and it's so funny everybody went crazy at at when they showed the bat behind the superman logo or whatever the fuck uh, and then, of course, Affleck is named Batman, and then it's all this. The hue, again, the rock fight starts again. Yay, boo! I hate him. I don't. <laughs> and and it's just so dumb to watch. You're just like yeah. I. I'm 46 years old, man. I can't. I can't get caught up in it. I like Ben Affleck. I hope he does well in that film. Yeah, I think and, he'll do fine. Yeah, and Superman was so fucking atrocious. I, I that that might be the only thing that gets me in a theater is the Superman Batman thing, uh, because I would I'll, I would never pay another dollar to see a Superman movie. I've wasted so much fucking time and effort. <laughs> Hoping they'd be good. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's, and again, it's me. I'm getting older and I find myself where I don't care. I just don't care about those things. Um, you know, there, if there's something like Avatar, you know, or Titanic, something, something in the zeitgeist, mm-hmm. I, and I have to see it, then I have to see it. And if I have to see it for my business to know what to talk about, because that used to be another thing. I, you know, do stand up or whatever. Yeah. I made sure to ingest all pop culture. Yeah. And, uh, and then you, you, as I get older, I just find myself compartmentalizing myself and not, not caring and not giving myself over to the the tsunami of you must you must you have to it's amazing you it's great no. uh, I, because I'm inevitably disappointed inevitably well you know even um, in in talking about how how quickly it turns over to the next thing uh, I, I found that even if a movie does live up to your expectations it's over so, like you're everyone's on to the next thing so quick that it's like was it worth it yeah like you can't you don't get a chance to love something yeah and yeah. and because there are movies like uh. You know, I saw Reservoir Dogs when it came out, and it was really small, and I got to tell people about it. That was so fun to me, to go, yeah. you, you're not going to believe this thing when you see it. Um, almost famous. I, I, I was able to love it in the moment so much and tell people. Anybody would ask. I'd say, I, I, I want to buy copies of this and hand it out to people. That's how much I love this. Um, and I can't imagine anybody loving Man of Steel like I love Almost Famous. You know, I, I just... Or The Graduate. And again, I'm an old man, and I'm dating myself and whatever. But when you see genius and you see brilliance and and it becomes a part of you you you're excited and you're always excited to talk about it and tell people about it and that's the genesis of you even having a podcast about movies because you love movies mm-hmm. and uh, and you may see this as a as a threat this this whole instantaneous opinion and and just them churning out product as a threat to the thing you love and and it's it's hard it's hard to deal with man because i loved movies i loved you know again cold air and the popcorn and the smell and sitting there and now they've done everything they can to make it hard you know people they don't police them and they're jerks and and they kill you with robots and it just it just you really got to pick your spots now and it's a drag it's frustrating um the um Press screening, to, or, or because of press, we get to see stuff. You know, uh, I got to see your next back at the LA Film Fest, and then proceeded to spend the next two months telling everyone how fucking great it is. Yeah, because it, it's so good. And then it comes and it doesn't do well, and it's like that's it. It had that one weekend. Yeah, you know, after it's this little you know independent film that had this really tumultuous journey to the screen. It finally gets there. I've been telling people for months it's great, and I'm you know I'm not saying that I'm 
I that I should be convincing the whole world. But I'm saying <laughs> people like uh, other critics who had seen it are yeah. saying how great it is. Yeah. And, and there's it, there's nothing more frustrating than when you love something and you try to get people and then it tanks and then people are just like, oh yeah, that. Because it's another thing with the instant opinions. You hear people just dismiss it out of hand. You're like, no, give it a chance. Yeah. Like, I mean, I loved the first Kick-Ass. I didn't see the second one again because I was told that it was nowhere near as good as the first one and they did a lot of things differently. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was disappointed because I really loved the first one. There's a movie called Shoot 'em Up. I fucking love shooting oh, yeah. up. I, I saw that at a, at a free, it was like they gave me free tickets one night where they saw me at a, lurking at a grocery store. I wasn't really lurking at a grocery store. They were lurking. I walked out. And uh, they said, hey, you want to see this movie? And they said, it's got, you know, Paul Giamatti and Clive Owen. And I said, yeah. And they said, it's kind of violent. And I said, I'm in. Sign me up. And I went to it and I sat there transfixed. I was like, this is a Bugs Bunny cartoon with people dying. It's fucking great. Yeah, he's even eating a carrot. Yeah, exactly. And and, and I told people about it. And I, I told them, I told them. And then it came out and it finished sixth, like its first week. Yeah. And everybody went, ah, it's stiff, it tanked. And I'm like, no, it, but it doesn't matter. It's still brilliantly good. Go see it. Yeah, it's, this is, I, I'm very, I'm, okay. In the, in the internet film nerd community, I feel like my tastes run pretty mainstream. But compared to, people i'm so i am so out of touch like to me like you mentioned people dismissing a movie because it didn't do well that is such a the idea of that is so foreign to me yeah. that i just like if somebody said oh it didn't do well my first thought was like it, so, yeah so what I'm, I'm guilty of that i do it really you know yeah i, I like i said kick ass too i didn't go see because i just went uh, and then my friends all f- showered me with it's bad which is fine yeah that I'm I'm a little bit more open to, but if it's just uh, it, I think I guess it's just that idea. Like I I know a guy who, and he's not he's not a dumb person, uh, but is a friend of mine back in uh, Denver who has said that he will, and I've said it on the show before, he will specifically see a movie because of its hype. And I I remember asking him at the time, and I tried to ask it in his in his non insulting a way as possible, but it probably came through. And he said, "Do." You, do you care what the movie's about <laughs> or who's in it or who made it or if it's supposed to be good? And he goes, no, not really. I just, if it's hyped, I don't want to be the one guy not talking about it. Oh boy. And so, and so of course you get that. And I think, I think first off that level of self-awareness is uh, <laughs> rare, but I think you probably get a lot of people who run across that. They don't want to be the one not talking about it. And so if a movie, you know, the world's end did not do well, right? Like such a shame. Yeah. Cause it was, it's very good. Yeah. And like Edgar Wright, just, it's fascinating to me that his films just, they still, they still get, they get like major cult status but that never translates into that audience paying to see it. Or maybe it does, and there's just not enough of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look long-term, I think, uh, like, Scott Pilgrim was a box office failure, but I think long-term Universal is going to make plenty of money off of Scott Pilgrim because yeah, it's probably. got uh, yeah, a fan base a for fuck? decades. Fuck Universal. I don't give a shit if they make money. I'm serious. <laughs> I, I mean, because we live in the echo chamber, too. It's like, that's, yeah. the, that's another thing that comes with internet fatigue. You know, on Twitter, I follow who I want to follow. Follow her. Follow. <laughs> sure. And uh, on Facebook, I, I'm friends Long with people Paul who... Kettle. <laughs> follow her. Uh, on Facebook, I'm friends with people who are all kind of like-minded as me. They like yeah. what I do, and so they kind of... they follow. And so you see, all of a sudden, everybody's going, oh my God, you know, Edgar Wright, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. The world's end is going to be... And then it tanks, and you go, oh, there is a world of people out there who don't give a fuck about what I like, and yeah. they don't think it's interesting or good at all. Yeah. And they'd rather see a robot come out of the ocean and, and break a bridge in half. You know yeah. what I mean? So, Or not even that, apparently. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Even uh, just living in not only who we follow on Twitter, but even living in Los Angeles, you know, yeah. are kind of in a, I, I worked at the Arclight briefly in 2007. I remember the weekend Zodiac opened. I was so happy because oh it was like was every, every, every showing was completely sold out. I was like, this is awesome. Zodiac's going to be like one of the biggest movies of the, of the spring. But you look at the nationwide numbers, Zodiac opened at like fourth or something yeah. for the weekend. Uh, so and yeah, that's, we that's, are and that's another one where it literally, if you come by and you're flipping channels and it's on, you go, well, I'm here for another two hours yeah, because yeah. this is a brilliant piece it's of work so that I can never ignore. And you know, I, I do wonder, like, well, why do I root for a film to do well financially? Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's not so universal we'll, or whatever will do well. Uh, it's first first off, so it's like, okay, well, so that we can see that director is bankable and maybe they'll get to make another movie and that's great. But also, if a movie does well, if it's number one or two at the box office, that means that there will be a lot of people talking about it. Your friend in Denver will go. My friend in Denver will go, exactly. and then maybe he and I can talk about this movie. Like, if it's if it's a great movie that I love, and he's seen it, it's like, hey, you know, he's not going to see Blue Jasmine. You know, <laughs> that's one I'm just going to be talking about with my, you know, with my dumb co-host here. No, will, offense. He, will he see Blue Lagoon Valentine? No question about it. <laughs> of course, you will. Because <laughs> there's there's a lot him. of vibe about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and so it's just uh, I don't know. It's but and, hype, you know. Um, Speaking of echo chambers and and, and, and and bubbles and stuff like that, like among the people that I talk to, Blue Jasmine might as well be Iron Man three. Like, oh no it's question about a lot. But yeah, that's what movie. because I'm in this tiny like bubble of other film nerds, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and cineasts. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> watch out! And I and I feel like maybe we've we've deviated a little bit, but maybe not. Maybe not really, because when it comes down to it. A blockbuster more than, you know, Room 237 or whatever, you know, slightly smaller movies, slightly, much smaller movies uh, that I like and am aware of. Did you see Room 237? Is that Cusack in the hotel? No. No, that's... uh, What's that? That's uh, 14... 1408? 1408. Yeah, there you go. Room 237 is the documentary about all the crazy different uh interpretations people have of the shining oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. i know i know of it i've not so seen great. it I've yeah seen it. i saw it twice yeah it's great and i don't I say saw it just 237 because... times <laughs> <laughs> uh and it's so yes all right that's that's a movie that i really you know that i really love and really respond to and uh and that that does bring with it a certain degree of online Buzz, you know, but not nearly as much as, oh, d- you know, because, b- okay, all right, no one has seen Batman and Superman or whatever the hell it's going to be called. Nobody's seen it yet. It hasn't been made yet. Yes. And There's there probably is- not even a script. True. Well, <laughs> Entirely possible. There was one for Man of Steel either. But-, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and yet now everybody's going to go just by virtue of. Now I need to find out if I was well, justified in my love or hatred of Ben Affleck. Everyone was well. No, I was going to say everyone was going to go until the Ben Affleck became Batman, and now there's firmly camps who are never seeing that movie. It's but, fucking horrible. They're raping my childhood. But of course Except they're going to see. Of course, see it. but yeah. I'm just saying it's that yeah. same bullshit that you come up uh, yeah. come upon all the time. When I couldn't believe it when it got named, and everybody, I, I made a joke about it on my Facebook page, and it turned into a discussion of the merits of him as an actor for like you know, like 20 people. I'm like. I was making joke. That's it. I, I'm not giving an opinion on the film or anything. Yeah. So go ahead. I didn't mean to step on you. But well, yeah. no. It's but it's just that's the thing is, you know, uh, as I think you mentioned it in the most recent episode. I don't remember, but uh, it's the the old refrain from uh, from the critic: if the movie stinks, just don't go. Uh, <laughs> but nobody. That's not an option. It's 
because and that this goes to another thing um online a lot of people including my including myself i think everybody falls victim to this is you make these predictions of whether you think this movie is going to be good or not you just can't help it uh you might even make the prediction only to yourself and just like oh that's going to be bad and then it's like well i want to be right about that i want to show that i am so prescient <laughs> that i know when a movie is going to be good or bad and then i think when it when you have the blockbuster thing it's like well then you get then you've got the bragging rights to go with it and so i think this this goes to the ben affleck thing is there are people that will vow not to see it but of course how are they going to know if they're right or not unless they see it so of course they're going to see yeah. it everybody wants to be part of the conversation and that's and i and all of that is the baggage that a blockbuster brings with it superhero movie you know yeah. sci-fi movie whatever and schadenfreude is currency on the internet I mean, yeah. that, that's what people trade in you know they they all want to be able to be the one who went hi i told you that was going to suck yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh it's, it's depressing well let's we should start wrapping up. Um, I, I want to uh, be because we've been very uh, negative about people. Um, uh, what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe more people will start to realize the things we've talked about. That even the the benefits of buying into the blockbuster thing are so fleeting that it's not uh, it's not as rewarding as it seems. So maybe people will maybe there'll be a, a whole sea change in the culture and people will start going to see blue jasmine or whatever or, or of... they'll start making better blockbusters that you right. know that's that if, if they just pay more attention to what they're doing then i'm i'm in i, I i'm not dismissing out of hand buildings falling down if you no. do it in a great way in a smart way and uh you know that's I like the avengers yeah yeah I, I mean there's a hospital that collapses in dark knight you yeah know what i mean right, and, it, yeah. and it's done but it, look you know what it really collapsed yeah, that's the thing. Is they they so it wasn't some CGI bullshit where a bunch of shit fell off and fell into the air and a whole city was leveled. No, and it's such a powerful moment. And in the midst of it, you've got Joker stuff. You've yeah. got his reaction and the and the remote completely and improvised. That. Yeah, by the way. Yeah. yeah, not not planned. He did yeah. that on purpose. He stopped on purpose and did all that and uh, and then fucking triggered it and there it went. And, and yeah, amazing. And you know, I was uh, part. I, I oddly enough, we had picked this topic. And then the other day, I happened to throw in my Blu-ray of uh, Jaws to watch. Uh, for those that, that don't have the Blu-ray of Jaws, uh, purchase it because not only does the film just look and sound wonderful, but also it's got uh, some really great special features, including that uh, documentary, uh, "The Shark Is Still Working," which they'd been working on for years. Like I think they actually officially like finished it in 2005, but couldn't get any distribution. Like Roy Scheider narrates it, if that tells you how old it is yeah. at this point. That's my first um, memory of a film ever. Jaws? Seeing seeing Jaws in a theater at the age really? of eight. Oh. My uh, mom and dad took us, or took uh, certainly me. I don't even, Honestly, it's so vivid, but I don't remember anybody who was with me except my mom and dad, because I remember sitting there watching it, and it was cold, and I remember the popcorn, I remember all that, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember when the head pops out of the bow of the boat, I, I jumped so high, my popcorn all went into the air, <laughs> like, like a comic, like a cartoon, yeah. and I remember my mom laughing, and she's like, are you okay? I said, yeah. But by the end of the, the movie... Uh, we went to leave and I had twisted my popcorn box like wringing out a dish rag mm-hmm. I had spent the entire last half of the movie The Chase of the Shark just gripping it and s- twisting it as hard as I could and wh- I remember the film ending my mom looking at me and just me sitting there small on a chair with this just twisted beyond recognition popcorn box I was so yeah. scared <laughs> so yeah I just clearly my first memory and that's Mine, by the way is uh, in 87 for the 50th anniversary they re-released Snow White and the Seven Dwarves into the theaters that's the first thing I yeah? remember going to see ever Yeah, I still don't remember I saw a lot of them um, <laughs> my, my parents were very uh, pro movie uh, but the um, but anyway so in watching of course everyone knows Jaws is like the first like summer blockbuster maybe the first blockbuster in general you know lines around the block um, and uh, 
And so when I so you know you hear about that, but I feel like we don't we just think about that like oh it's the first one that's neat, but then you actually okay take that and then associate it with the movie that you know Jaws is. There's a quiet scene with Brody and his son. You know, there's a long monologue about the USS Indianapolis delivered by a middle-aged man. <laughs> you know, like it's just you have all these things. You know, then there are moments of I, it's not an action movie, but there are moments of action and excitement and horror and all of that. And uh, fun. It's funny. Yeah. It's, and also, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 not saying the what's his name Peter Benchley. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying his book was uh, a failure or anything, but it wasn't. 50, 50 Shades of Grey or The Hunger Games or something, you know, it, uh, I'm saying Jaws wasn't necessarily a recognizable property. It it was eventually. Uh, not not as a function of the movie. Like, when it first came out, it was just, everyone's like, oh, this this is doing pretty well. The, the, but it got to the point where it was like, you know, on the poster, say, from the terrifying number one bestseller. I think it got okay. to be number one eventually, but it didn't, certainly didn't but it's, start it's that not, way. It, not a, it's not a movie that was greenlit because it has a built-in audience which seems like right, that's no. most of what blockbusters are now right yeah, the yeah. 70s what was i mean you know watch coming home right. which is you know a, <laughs> a vietnam vet who comes back and steals the wife of a, a marine colonel you know and, and but it's brilliant brilliant so bright anyway go ahead finish your yeah draws and there yeah there was really certainly there were no aside from maybe superman the richard donner film there was nothing really that was assumed to that like nothing and maybe Godfather Part Two, they weren't bringing an audience with them, yeah. uh, and even then, people didn't necessarily assume that Superman would work out. Uh, but the so that's the thing. So Jaws Superman doesn't have to work out. He's Superman. <laughs> Dude's buffed. That's the, I wish, the, that's I the wish, bottom of a tall boy talking. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could end on that. By which I mean the whole podcast. But um, the internet. <laughs> but the but that's the thing. Like think of the movie that Jaws is, and that was the blockbuster. Think of Indiana Jones. Think of Think of past blockbusters and the stuff that people were willing to sit through. Yeah. And that's the thing. As you mentioned, you know, people, nobody's going to be talking about Man of Steel except maybe derisively. Um, and just like no one's ever going to talk about Man of Steel. It, it made millions of dollars. Okay. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um, millions of dollars would have been an unmitigated failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it made tons of money, but no one's going to talk about it. Jaws also made tons of money, but it's also about 40 years old at this point. Everyone's always going to talk about it forever. And it's because it's because it seems so simplistic for me to say, but it, maybe it bears repeating because you care about Quint. You care about Hooper. And, and because of those quiet moments, suddenly when Quint dies, spoilers, uh, <laughs> when Quint dies, it's just like, no, Quint, you know, when Hooper almost dies, like, holy shit, they're going to kill Hooper. Yeah. Which, by the way, Hooper dies in the book. And just like, so you, you're like, oh, no, they're going to kill. You ki-. throw that in? You may have just enticed people to read the terrifying bestseller. And now you throw them the movie's infinitely better in the book. Um, <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but like I've I've uh, I've read a number of books that have then become movies. And it's one of those things like, yeah, the movie can't really hold a candle to the book, different mediums and all that. But Jaws, the movie is way better than the book. Um, but uh but that's the thing is just and people don't seem to recognize. I don't know maybe maybe studios don't don't seem to recognize it because the Avengers has plenty of moments of characters like just sitting and talking that fun Joss Whedon dialogue, and and Iron Man even had all of them have moments of just character. In the ten years I've known, more than ten years, it's fun funny to hear you say that fun Joss Whedon dialogue because the, 10 the years stuff ago, that used to drive me up a wall. Yeah, ten years ago <laughs> you said that fucking Joss Whedon dialogue. No, no, no. I was I was more upset with the uh, 
his general attitudes. No, it was the Gilmore Girls dialogue that drove me crazy <laughs> that you listen, that you watch all the time. Okay. Um, but no, it's, uh, I don't know, it's like, I want to hold out hope that there will be District 9s in the future, that there will be Jaws and Indiana Jones, but even Indiana Jones isn't what it used to be. And just, and maybe people will just demand, maybe the implosion of studios realizing, well, we can't release everything in these three months anymore, so maybe we'll spread them out, and maybe, hey, while we're at it, maybe we'll bring in some good directors, and maybe we can expect more. But at the same time, I feel like I'm being naive. <laughs> Any uh, final thoughts? I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, too. I, I, I don't have blockbuster fatigue. I think I have uh, bad movie fatigue uh, and, and uh, repetition fatigue. Yeah. If you make blockbusters that are, that are good and, and don't pander and, and aren't just about printing money and the, and the Blu-ray after and the DVD and, mm-hmm. and, and lose the capes for a while, I, I, just, I, I think I'm okay. I mean, I, I, will, I want to like things. I want to go to movies. Give me a reason. You know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll respond to that, and then we can wrap up. The thing you say about about you know the Blu-ray and the DVD after, I think if studios spent more time thinking about that, they would make better movies because they put they pour everything into the opening weekend, and all that care all, all that informs the opening weekend is the ad campaign. Whereas well, t- if it's good, it will have a better life. Well, I think another thing we can hope for is that Netflix, uh, the effect of streaming maybe kills the dvd in its crib you know not even in its crib it's old now but i mean mm-hmm. you know they that that whole thought of well we'll make it on the back end on the dvd and so they go well, people have stopped buying dvds mm-hmm. uh you know people don't rent anything anymore they all stream that even even netflix is now the majority of it is streaming as opposed to getting that fucking envelope in the mail mm-hmm. so maybe that will lead these guys to go oh well you know it, it's first of all it's going to lead to people making movies right for netflix which i think is exciting and uh, really going to be great um but at the same time maybe maybe it leads studios to go well let's Let's go back to trying to make the theater experience worth it. Yeah. And not have to worry about people afterwards buying and buying and buying whatever 900 different sets we can come out of the same film. If you care about the initial project and the initial product that you're putting in the theater and making the theater experience back what it used to be or what it was or even better, uh, I think then you'll bring people in and they won't be so fatigued with those movies because you, you won't be killing them over and over with repetition, just banking that they'll come in and spend their money. No. I think that's a good place to, to end it. Um, you can, of course, find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you find this podcast, all the other podcasts in the BP fleet, as well as uh, tons of uh, movie reviews, both theatrical and home video. You can uh, email us, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension or follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. That's the uh, weekly TV podcast I do with King of TV paul goble this week we'll be discussing the uh second futurama series finale as well as the uh whatever 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 season premiere of it's always sunny in philadelphia um and mike where can people find you and your work on the internet uh well you can get me at mike at mike straight email you can go to mike and go to um, all the pages there my bio is there the joe business page where we sell a ton of merch that i won't bore you with the 40 year old boy podcast is available in itunes always every week comes out on uh thursdays late wednesday night always every thursday you can subscribe in itunes and uh, my cd the big angry is available in uh, amazon in itunes at astrecords.com and uh, if you go through itunes you can actually get the questionable value of an autograph from me 
me on that same CD. And uh, I guess that's it. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Uh, but most importantly is the 40-year-old boy podcast, which is every week. And also live dates, if I can tell you about those. September 28th, I'll be in Austin, Texas at the Cold Town Theater. That's a Saturday night. October 19th, I'll be at the Jewel Box at the Rendezvous Theater in Seattle, also a Saturday night. And Saturday night, November 2nd, at the Green Room Lounge in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Tickets are available at brownpapertickets.com. Search my name or uh, search 40-year-old boy, and that will come up. And you can buy those tickets and come out and have a good time, and we will all have fun live for less than three hours. <laughs> and you will also be at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Yeah, October 4th, 5th, and 6th are the dates of the festival. I believe it's been changing a lot, but I think I'm still performing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on October 5th, the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the, there's all sorts of shows going on at the same time. I hope you'll choose to join me. Uh, I still don't know what I'm going to do just yet, story-wise, but uh, but it will be me talking, and it'll be in a small room. And last year, we had an overflow crowd. It was really fun. Yeah. So uh, so if you come out, that'd be great. October 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Go to LAPodfest.com for tickets, and uh, you can get a three-day pass and go see a million great shows. And I'm also doing a panel, I guess, on Sunday afternoon on yeah. the, uh, the pros and cons of the podcasting networks. So huh. come out and hear what I have to say about that. I don't know if you want to. Come Saturday to see me say something really interesting and funny, and then come Sunday and see me bother people. So that'll be great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. No, for being man. Here. I'm good. so glad. I didn't. I, this is my first time doing the show since you guys moved to Mexico. So I'm really excited <laughs> to, to come here. Okay, uh, we don't live together. What? I, st- I still live in civilization in North Hollywood. All right, good. Well, that's that's rough too. But good for you, you guys are both racist. I like your neighborhood, and not just because. Literally every fast food chain that exists in Southern California is within half a mile of here. Damn right it is, especially <laughs> especially Wendy's. There's a couple of them. No, you, there's even a Jollibee near here. That's right, there is. Yes, yeah, that's what's that's nuts. That's like, right. isn't that like Puerto uh, Filipino. Filipino? Yeah, that's it, yeah. I guess in the Philippines it's like McDonald's. There's like two of them in all of Los Angeles, and one of them is near here. Nice. Look all at right, you picking the place. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, again, thank you again, Mike. Uh, thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 